Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is Corey Willis with PPI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? Excited to have you guys with us on today's episode. We wanted to thank all of you guys who've been subscribing on YouTube to our channel. If you search the Diesel Podcast on there, you're going to find all of our episodes and plus videos that we get from some of our guests and some of the companies that we chat with. We go above and beyond the podcast. We want to encourage you guys, if you haven't subscribed on there, make sure you do to get the latest information and podcasts as well. On today's episode, it's going to be really cool. We're chatting with Dustin Sterling. He's from Sterling Diesel Performance in New Caney, Texas, and he comes to us as a He's a huge Duramax fan, Duramax specialist, and I was chatting with the guys over at SoCal Diesel about some parts and, and different things that they're working on. They're like, hey, you got to chat with, with Dustin. He's got a really cool build, a really cool story. He'd make an amazing podcast guest. So we're going to be chatting with him about what it's like to be a Duramax specialist in Texas. We know there's a lot of Fords down there and a, a lot of Cummins trucks, but that's his specialty. And then also about his race truck, which is doing some really incredible things out there. All right, let's get to the podcast with Dustin and chatting about building Duramax trucks and running a shop in Texas. Dustin, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. This is a it's going to be a fun episode to to chat with you today. I was chatting with the guys over at SoCal Diesel and they're really excited about your race truck and they're like, "You got to get him on the podcast and talk to him about his truck and his shop and stuff." So I'm glad we're able to connect and be able to chat today. Cool, yeah, man. I appreciate you calling me and uh, it's definitely an honor to be on this thing. I've never done anything like that before. <laughs> they're fun. It's they're, uh, it's just, it's so cool to be able to chat with people from all over the country or even North America about their different race setups and then what, what got them into diesels, you know, and, and some you know, like yourself that have a career in it. So I, I wanted to start with the truck and have you tell us a bit about the history on it, um, what year make it is, and then the, kind of the process of, you know, building it from when you got it to what you're doing with it now. Well, I mean, it started out as a an 06 Chevy crew cab, 4x4, you know, it's, you know, we, I bought it with, it had a set of compounds on it, it had a mild built motor in it, uh, stock crank, um, small fuel, you know, nothing crazy, I think it was right around 600, 700 horsepower, and I'd always, you know, liked hauling ass down the freeway and racing guys and, and their Mustangs and their Corvettes and stuff, and you know, seeing the look on their face when a uh, 6,000, 7,000-pound truck, you know, just blows the doors off of them. It's, 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 it's a better feeling, in my opinion, than, a, than having, a, you know, a car. Um, we, you know, we, I broke the crank uh, one day, um, actually a cold morning. I, I cranked it up and heard some rattling going on, and we uh, actually drove the truck all the way from my house to Humble, which is about 20 miles, and... Uh, Man, it it didn't really skip a beat. I, you know, I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I just kept on going, and when I stopped at where I was going, I, I noticed it and I called a, a wrecker and you know I told him to come pick it up and got back to the shop and stuck a pry bar behind the balancer and it was broke and called my tuner and 
like, hey, man, you broke my crank. <laughs> you know, just giving him a hard time. And, and uh, you know, that's when I, I you know, we kind of just started the business a little bit. And I was getting into the Duramax scene and, you know, really understanding how things work. And, and uh, so I called the guys at SoCal, and I got a rotating assembly. And stroker motor, uh, obviously stroker cranks, rods, pistons, and, they set me all up and kind of told them the horsepower I wanted to be at, you know, around a thousand, and got it back. Um, stuck with the 68 millimeter Danville um, with the, I think it was an S488 atmospheric charger. Uh, made quite a bit of power with that thing, and then bumped it up to a 72 millimeter from Danville, and I think I went up to. I gradually went up in fuel from like 58 percent to 200 percent, and you know started drag racing at a local track in Baytown, you know, just going out on the street truck shootout and just kind of just playing around and, and uh, you know, seeing what the truck would do and started getting faster and faster and then trying to get the Alice into work and uh, then, you know, I've, I've seen Dorian, uh, a real good friend of mine, you know, racing his 22 kill truck at the ODSS uh, events and uh, I think at the time, weren't racing ODSS, it was with Michael Cassidy and uh, Diesel Thunder, um, and that's where I started kind of bringing the truck out to, and uh, we were going to, you know, race the 770 class, well, we surpassed that pretty quick, the truck ended up being too fast for that, you know, up down to 670, and that's where we started working through the, the, the findings of stuff not wanting to work, and traction, and you know, transmission not wanting to shift and then not having a lockup box, just kind of just all compiled onto each other. Well, we kind of got it lined out. Um, you know, Evan over at Limitless, you know, helped us out, you know, finally made me put a lockup box on it, uh, got it going down the track, got it, you know, pretty dialed in for 670, and it was working. It was working pretty well. Um, I think I finally... I can't remember what made me change or whatever, but I ended up doing something to it, and I ended up pulling the drivetrain out of the truck and shoved it in a single cab. Uh, I found a, an 07 single cab in Kentucky, I think about a year and a half ago. I bought it, um, pulled everything out of it, out of the crew cab, put it in the single cab, and and uh, started to turn the truck up. Um, still race 670. I think we did it for about a year, and then... Uh, after that, I just I wanted to go faster and faster and faster, so I shoved a, a 48RE Duraflight setup in it from Suncoast, um, Sancher Shaft, um, and then that's when it really became fun. Uh, put that in there, got into uh, I think I still stayed in the 670 class for a while. Um, learned you know trying to learn the truck, getting the weight down on the truck, and then I eventually went to a uh, S. 300, you know, S400 over a GT55, so it was, uh, it's actually the, the compound kit from SoCal's S10. Okay. So we bought that, we put it on the truck, and it just, it loved it, man. I mean, it <laughs> power was was an under, you know, understatement. I mean, it, it made every every bit of power that we wanted to make. Um, it, it, it eventually became too fast for 670. Um, we sent the truck to. Uh, truck source, Chris Buhider over there, and uh, just kind of went off the board with it. Um, stripped it down, went from, you know, 
steel beds, steel doors to fiberglass front cliff, fiberglass bedside, fiberglass, you know, uh, doors, um, stripped the interior out of the truck, um, rewired the whole entire truck, you know, set, set the anteater and the standalone up for the 48RE, um, added some nitrous to the truck, um, and then it just, it just kept going and going and going from there. Uh, got rid of the factory transfer case, went with a SCS uh, transfer case. It's, it's like a all, all manual or all, it's like a one-year assembly, of, I believe. Uh, got it from Johnny at Stainless, and, man, we put that on there, and we just started kind of just throwing stuff at the truck, and it really just worked. Um, didn't think, I think we just introduced the, uh, uh, the trans brake valve body at Rocky Top right before it went to truck source and, uh, I split the case on it. Um, Montana had built it at Suncoast. Uh, we split the case there at Rocky Top, pulled it out, um, and then built it again. I think we split the case one more time at, Ryan's race at the beginning of the of the season this year, um, and then I think I got it back and I sent it to back to Truck Source. Um, we got everything lined out, you know, for the most part there. Uh, put it on the dyno. I mean, I think it's right around you know thirteen, fourteen hundred horse. Um, Right off the bat, I mean, it, it was perfect. We're right where we wanted to be, I and mean, it was perfect for 590. So this year we did start out in 590. Um, we did get to race one race in 590. Um, I was number one qualifier, I think, with a 590. I think second pass down the track, 590 on the money. It was it was smooth. <laughs> I mean, the truck loved it. It was smooth. I mean, it weighs, you know, I think right at 4,700 pounds, me in it. Um, it's on, you know, I've got a DSP-5 switch on Tune 1 with a, a 26 spool jet. It, I mean, it comes up on the, you know, on the boost, you know, within a second. And, you know, it, it's consistent every time, 590, 591 every time. Um, so we made number one qualifier at Ryan's race, um, made it all the way to the semifinals, and then uh, got beat by a good buddy of mine, Rodrigo. Um, he got me on the tree, uh, but it was... And that's where the race is going to come down to because he knew that uh, the moment that I left, that truck was going to run a 590-591. And he got me on the tree. He took the win, and, and uh, that was it for the truck for that night. But, I mean, after that, uh, I think that was really the last race before all this COVID stuff started happening. Has the, uh, has the, the you know, the, the downtime with it and you know, racetracks being closed and stuff, has that given you guys an opportunity to – you know, kind of slow down and think of any other changes you might make, or is it really you just dialed in exactly where you want it? It's just waiting for tracks to open up and events to start. You no, know, I'll be honest. Uh, it's dialed in perfect where we want it, but uh, I, you know, time started going by. I was taking it to the track, and uh, uh, you know, our local little track, uh, Houston Motorsports Park, and I just started turning it up. You know, I just wanted to see what it would do, and me and Chris was just like, you know, send it, send it down the track, and see what happens. <laughs> So we, you know, we turned it up. We put it, I think, on tune two. Um, we bumped the spool jet up a little bit, and I think I went down to like a. Uh, well, let me back up. 
after Ryan's race, I got the truck back here and I took the wheels off of it. It had 18s and some, um, I think it was some, what are them, some Hoosier, you know, DR2s, you know, nothing fancy. So I, I pulled them that wheel set up off. I went with a a 15-inch wheel and some M&Hs. And I was going to, you know, I, I was starting to lose traction. The, the, the tire was starting to spin on the bead, you know, running 590. So I knew I knew I was about to start having problems, and I wanted to get the, you know, get the 60 foot down a little bit, you know, you know, better traction and whatnot. So I, I, I put that tire set up on there, and I went to a local track, and I started testing with it. And Tune One, uh, 26 full jet, and uh, just that tire setup, I ran like a 572 out the gate. You know, I mean, cut the 60 foot down like two tenths, and it. It just it just went and I was like oh shit now we got a problem now we're going too fast <laughs> so which I wasn't really worried about going too fast yet because we had a while before our next race so I was like you know what let's just turn it up so we just started turning it up so I turned it up to tune two I bumped the spool jet up and I uh, I think I turned the second kit on and it was like a small jet like a, like a fifty two or fifty six or something like that and um, I ran it and. Uh, I ran a 559 at 127 miles an hour, and I broke the 4x4 Duramax record right then, and uh, which I didn't know at the time, and I, I, they told me I did, and I was like, man, that's crazy. So after that, I, you know, I, I didn't really want to push my luck anymore and break the truck, so I took it home for the weekend, and I was like, you know what, let's go out again. So I went out again the following Friday, ran a 557 at 129 miles an hour off the trailer, tune two. You know, uh, bumped up the, food, uh, the the second kit just a little bit, and and it went. And uh, haven't really driven it since then. Um, I was gonna, you know, change up the intake and stuff like that on there, but we decided that we're just gonna leave it alone like it is. So after the season, and see if we can, you know, maybe pull off a, a win, you know, at uh, a championship or something, you know, with the truck before we start trying to add more power to it. There's a really cool link between the truck and your business, and and I wanted to ask you what the name of your race truck is and why you named it that. Honestly, I don't even have a name for it. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to come up with one. Um, it's it's just we just haven't came up with a good name yet. Um, but I mean, it's the biggest thing is you know is, you know we specialize in Duramax, and that's what we try to do. You know, there's a lot of shops in the Houston area, and I feel like 90% of the of the work in the trucks that are around Houston area is Fords. Um, and I didn't want to venture into something that other shops are already always doing. And I, I don't really like Fords, and I, I really didn't like them at the time I started my business, uh, you know, even though I drove one every day. Um, so, you know, we, we started taking this truck to the track, and, they, you know, back when it was a crew cab, and then, you know, people seeing a diesel truck, you know, run 11s and then they start dipping down into the 10s and then they start running 670, you know, and then you just, they see a diesel truck and it, it's, you know, it's, it's something different to look at. You know, it's not, you know, everybody can build a gas car. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's much cheaper to build a gas car for sure. I mean, you can probably go a whole lot faster with the amount of money that's in a diesel truck is a gas car, but it's, you know, that's the business that, 
we're in, we like it, and then when kids see that stuff, it just they just go insane. They're like, what's up with all this smoke, you know, there's pictures everywhere, videos. I mean, people just go wild. It's one of the really special parts of diesel as it grew from where it was into, you know, where we are today is it was the ability to have that truck. What You know, if you have a, a crew cab, four-wheel drive, you could take it to the track, race it, have fun, drive it home, go to work the next day, tow the trailer on the weekend, go back to the track the next weekend. And it was almost like you could do everything with it. And that's what really, I think, what got us all interested in it. And now there's just so much technology and so many parts and so much expertise that what used to be fast and competitive is totally changed. And, you know, when you're mentioning the Duraflight and the Sancher shaft and, um, you know, the, the parts from SoCal and just different things that you're able to put on that truck 10 years ago, it didn't exist. And that was kind of like the, the limit of how fast these things could go out quickly. So it's really cool to see that. And, I know when we were chatting before a little bit, you were telling me about some challenges you had with your business due to Mother Nature and things that were going on. And I know there's a lot of shop owners that listen to the podcast, and they might have been in a similar situation or it might be something different, but they have just something they didn't expect happen and they had to overcome something with you know the shop and, and keeping things going and, and adapting. And I wanted to have you chat a little bit about that and what you guys went through. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, you know, and that's it's 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 kind of cool you say that. You know, the the diesel community, you know, for one is is completely different than a lot of a lot of other groups out there. You know, and especially the racing family, like it's you know we have, it is a huge family that of, of people that race with us and you know that support us and we support them. I mean, it you know it kind of what goes around comes around. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. And, and and Harvey, I think during Harvey was kind of the start. You know, we had been in business for a little while, but not that long. Um, I was working out of a one-bay shop, um, and we had got flooded. Um, we took a little bit of a loss. You know, we had you know I think four or five feet of water in our in our little one-bay shop, and I didn't have a whole lot back then, so it wasn't a major major loss. But I, you know, from from myself, it wasn't a major loss. We had you know twenty seven, twenty eight customers trucks here that all flooded that we lost and you know that people trusted us with and you know it wasn't our fault, but I didn't you know we didn't look at it that way. We looked at it as you know we're in possession of their trucks. You know I'm just now starting you know my business is now taking off. You know what is this going to do to me and and you know I, and I'm not one of the I'm, I'm you know I think Dorian flooded during Harvey too and uh, you know they got hit hard. They they lost a lot. I mean, they had a lot of water in their shop, and, you know, we were both trying to get our businesses back up and going after the flood, and, you know, we got ours back up pretty quick. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of stuff in that building at the time. Um, you know, luckily, insurance covered all, you know, all the customers' vehicles and stuff, and, you know, it, it kind of, that first one kind of went, you know, pretty smooth. We didn't lose our house, didn't get water in our house, got lucky. You know, lost, a lot of people lost a lot of stuff. Um 
well, we got back in it, and uh, we just hit it hard. Um, I expanded, I think, right after that. Um, we added, you know, about 3,200 square feet, um, four bays, and an office, um, and just kept, you know, kept killing it. Our customer base kept growing. Um, people stayed in contact with us even after the flood. Customers came right back even after the flood. You know, even though that their vehicles got flooded at our shop, they were still bringing us their vehicles. They still trusted us. And, you know, they knew that, you know, it, it, we're not in control of Mother Nature. I mean, no one is, and they knew it wasn't our fault. But, you know, they kept following us, and, you know, and uh, a couple years went by, and uh, good old Imelda came around, and that was the worst one out of all of them. Um, we had about, you know, another five, six feet of water in the shop, um, in the big shop, and then we had, you know, two to three feet of water in our house. Um, so we, we took a big, big hit that one. We, we, we lost pretty much everything. Um, didn't have insurance on the house at the time, uh, because we had just moved the house on that piece of property right after Harvey. So we're, you know, still kind of recouping. And, uh, but when I flooded that time, I mean, people really, you know, came out. You, you, you could, you knew who you could trust then, you know, you, I mean, and you, there were some people that I didn't even know that were reaching out to me, you know, wanting to help and, you know, get our shop back up and tear our house down. And I was overwhelmed with, with the amount of stuff that was going on. I was stressed out. And, you know, uh, we lost all these customers' vehicles, had thousands and thousands of dollars of completed work that was there ready to be picked up the next day. Um, but, man, I can tell you right now that, you know, Dorian and them at PSE um, helped us out more than we can, you know, ever ask for. I mean, the – they reached out to some of their people. I mean, people on Facebook, you know, our Houston Diesels Club, um, several, several guys from there reached out. I mean, I probably had, you know, 15 to 20 people at my shop um, that Friday morning of the flood once we were able to get back there. And we had it stripped out and cleaned. And, I mean, by that Monday, my shop was back in business. I mean, not 110%, but we were back up in business, you know, and we were – had people there. We had people at my house tearing my house apart. I mean, we lost everything in our house, um, threw it all outside in the pile in the driveway, you know, stripped the sheetrock up four feet high. And then it's just, you know, it, I, you know, it sucks to say it. You know, you can get as mad as you want, but at the end of the day, you know, what can you do about it? No sense in living in the past. You know, it's time to just move on and either rebuild or, you know, shut down and go somewhere. And I couldn't shut down. You know, I had a family to feed and I had customers that looked after me and, you know, and, and people that trusted us with, with everything. So we, we had no choice but to, to get back at it. And we got back at it. I mean, my brother, uh, my wife, you know, my family, I mean, that's, I mean, it's all a team effort and it, you know, we, they, we got it all back together and we finally, um, just got back into our house, uh, at the big, I'd say February of this year, um, bought some more property, you know, up north a little bit further from where my shop's at now and rebuilt my house, put it out here. Um, you know, just been kind of dumping every dollar that we have that we're making into the shop and just trying to, you know, expand and, and get better at what we do. And, and it's, it's working, man. We're, we're still here today and couldn't, couldn't have done it without, you know, our sponsors, our, our family, our friends. I mean, you just, sometimes you just can't do it without people's help. It's a really powerful story because it's something you, know, you can't prepare for. It's not like, um, you know, a major 
change in the industry or moving to a new location or anything like that where you have some control over it or you can plan a little bit. It's just like, you know, you probably see a news report and then the next thing you know, everything, not just with work, but then at home is destroyed. And I think it could it can be really challenging, I think, to think of both things, to, you know, being affected and having a mindset and people around to help, you know, pull you through that and then emerge from it and still be, you know, able to you know, keep, uh, keep your business, your customer base, the relationships that you built through it. That's, it, it's a really cool story. And I, I know that, you know, every, every hurricane season, you know, there's always that potential with, you know, diesel shops and, and you know, people that we have on the podcast, you know, that, that that's just part of life and stuff. And I, I know a lot of them are going to hear, you know, your story and what you went through and pull some inspiration from it. And, you know, and it might not even be them. They might just hear about someone, you know, and that's the power of Instagram and Facebook and, and social media is we can see things like that and just reaching out and, and helping and, and being able to, you know, help somebody in the, the diesel industry or diesel community just pull through it and, you know, keep on going. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's that's the number one thing, you know, people should <clears throat> try to understand is something, something, life hits you, you know what I mean? And when it hits you, it's going to hit you hard, but, you know, God ain't going to put you through something that you can't handle. So it's either you get back up on your feet and do something about it or you, you know, sit there and cry, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get nowhere in life if you don't keep pushing forward. Now with, uh, you know, the remaining part of, of this year and heading into next year is... Yeah, you know, as far as the customers and what they're doing, I've been talking with tons of shops and manufacturers, you know, ever since February, March, and I've been asking them like, you know, are are people still bringing their trucks in? Are people still buying parts? And I hear all the time, and they're like, "This is one of the best years I've ever had," and it's like, in a way, the downtime or the change. I think people have been able to say, Hey, I've always wanted to do this with my truck or I want to make it more reliable or I want to do this. Is that what you're seeing there in the part of Texas that you're in is people are still that they're doing that or maybe even doing it more than before with upgrading or modifying or fixing their trucks? You know, honestly, um, when all this COVID stuff even started happening, man, I mean, I was pretty scared, you know, business was kind of slowing down and, but, uh, it's kind of funny, you know, it's, it, you know, we'll be slammed, ridiculously slammed. Like we can't even really handle it, you know, two to three weeks at a time. And then we're slow, you know, for a mm-hmm. week or so. And, you know, I'll be honest, you know, yeah, all this stuff's going on right now, but as far as a decrease in people wanting to make modifications or increase horsepower or getting their stuff fixed or, you know, just want to add a little bit extra to their truck, it is not slowing down. I mean, if, if anything, it's, it's picked up, you know, I think one of the things I find myself doing it is I'll just, you know, it'll be a Saturday afternoon or something and I'm on YouTube looking at truck videos or something. And it's it, just to get an escape from like the news cycle and everything going on is I will purposely focus on truck stuff and I get ideas. And I think a lot of people are doing that. They just have a little bit more time or they want to just have a mental break from the news and everything else. And it's like, I always wanted that turbo kit or I always wanted to do this transmission builder. I need to do that, you know, CP three upgrade or whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, you're right though. People got more time on their hands, a little bit more time off work, Mm -hmm. time to search the internet. And then they see all, you know, they see videos of, you know, what other people are doing. They're like, well, my turn, you know, they want to do it too. I'm ready. (laughs) For anyone that, uh, 
that's you know near you here's a podcast maybe they're traveling through town what's the best way if someone wants to drop their truck off or chat with you or ask you questions see if you guys can work on their truck to get in contact with you guys uh, man they can give us a call you know uh phone number is 832-579-5467 um follow us on instagram it's uh sdp underscore texas and you know they can search us on facebook at sterling diesel performance you know um we're local to the houston area you know about 15 20 minutes north of houston and you know, we have access to pretty much just about everything. Well, it was cool to be able to connect with you and, and chat. And I was really excited once once the guys over at SoCal, they were telling me about your truck and then your story. And, and I was like, man, i got to get Dustin on the podcast, chat with him. So it was really cool to hear those, about. Those are some of the best guys, man. I, and I'm glad, I'm, to, you know, to be considered part of their team and, 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 and be as, as good as friends as they are. I mean, Lorenzo and Guy, they always help me out with anything that I need. Um, they, you know, they sell nothing but the best products out there. And, and, you know, that's what we put in our customers' trucks. And, you know, the customers want what, what we are going to stand behind. And it's easy to stand behind something that somebody else is going to stand behind. Well, I appreciate your time this afternoon, Dustin, and, uh, look forward to seeing your truck make some passes next year and chatting again. We're, we're definitely going to try, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, it's an honor to be on this thing. If uh, you ever need anything, give me a call. Don't forget, Diesel fans, if you want to check out anything that Dustin's doing, just go to SDP underscore Texas on Instagram. You'll be able to find a ton of pictures and videos and parts and different things that they're working on for Duramax trucks to keep them running and make them go fast if, if you want to go fast down the track. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.